Hello, and welcome to the Beef Cattle Health and Nutrition Podcast, Episode 7. I'm your host, Dr. John Campbell. I'm a veterinarian and a professor at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. This week, my guest is Shauna Mellish, who serves as the Outreach Specialist for the Animal Health Emergency Management Team from Animal Health Canada. Today, our topic is all about being prepared for serious animal health emergencies. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Shauna. It's great to have you here. Uh, maybe before we get started, I'll just ask, ask you to introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for uh, for having me on. Uh, my name is Shauna Mellish, and I actually live on the East Coast in Prince Edward Island. And uh, I've been working in agriculture for over 20 years now. Uh, but in the last seven years, really, I've been focusing more on animal health, uh, traceability, biosecurity, and emergency management. And uh, it's about a year ago, actually, that I joined the Animal Health Emergency Management Project. And it works, this project actually works to raise awareness about animal disease emergency preparedness and uh, response among producers, uh, livestock owners, and livestock organizations. The AHEM Project, uh, Animal Health Emergency Management Project, is a project of Animal Health Canada. So tell us about that, that bigger organization, Animal Health Canada. What does it do and who's represented at that table? Uh, yeah, Animal Health Canada is an organization It's actually was formerly known as the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council. It changed about uh, a year ago in January. And it's the only national nonprofit organization in Canada that brings together industry with federal and provincial and territorial governments. And they work collaboratively to provide guidance on farmed animal health and welfare systems in Canada. And so this includes activities uh, such as engaging with experts on uh, important animal health issues and welfare topics, as well as leading the initiation of projects like AHAM uh, to address animal health and welfare needs. So Animal Health Canada actually is jointly funded by uh, the provincial, federal governments, as well as these industry and non-government members. And so these members include organizations like the Canadian Cattle Association, the Dairy Farmers of Canada, Canadian Port Council and others. And there's leadership within that, um, both from the the government side and the industry side. uh, And it's led by a board that has a co-chair members between uh, governments and industry stakeholders. And uh, it is actually led by our executive director, uh, Colleen. Yes. And I've been at some of the annual meetings uh, that they have once a year. And and it's really interesting that it's the one place where we sort of get all those stakeholders together in one room and talk about some of these issues. It's quite unique. And and yes, they did just change their name. So it's a little confusing, but it's Animal Health Canada now. It is. Yep. And, and you're right. It's a very unique arena and it's a, it's a great opportunity for that type of collaboration. For AHEM, uh, animal health emergency is in the name, uh, emergency management. What exactly is emergency management? Well, with emergency management, I think we have to take a step back first and actually kind of understand better what an emergency is. You know, we know that an emergency is an event that occurs unexpectedly uh, and it requires immediate action. So we can think of things like car accidents or if someone injures themselves. But um, agriculture is no exception to emergencies. 
there's lots of unexpected situations that happen on our operations that we have to address quickly in order to protect both the health of our animals, uh, our people, and to minimize the impacts to our farms and our industries and markets. So we can think of uh, recent emergencies that have taken place in places like BC, where a year ago they experienced a catastrophic floods. Um, they've also experienced droughts and wildfires. Uh, for us on the East Coast in Prince Edward Island, we actually experienced a, a hurricane and that had impacts on our agricultural industry here. But there are um, emergencies that take place that are very specific to agriculture, and these are serious animal disease outbreaks. So we can think of things like avian influenza, which is currently being experienced across Canada, um, foot and mouth disease, African swine fever, these types of serious animal diseases. And so if there's an outbreak of such a disease, um, it's an example of something that, you know, in agriculture, we have to take immediate response to in order to minimize the impact to our, uh, our industries and protect the health of our animals. So this type of emergency is actually recognized as one of the greatest vulnerabilities too to our livestock industries, because it does have the potential to not only weaken our livestock sector and restrict our trading relationships, but it also can undermine that public trust. And in the end of that, you know, regardless of what type of emergency we're talking about, um, it's not the emergency that we're actually going to manage. It's the consequences of those emergencies. So what emergency management then is, is those actions that we're going to take to prevent or mitigate the effects of an emergency, um, prepare for, respond to, and recover from these emergencies. So, you know, while these emergencies may be next to impossible to predict when they could happen, what could happen, there are things we can do then to help minimize the impacts of these events. And effective uh, disease emergency in particular will really help reduce that risk to our people and our animals uh, and reduce the impact to our industry and sector as a whole. Animal health emergency uh, are probably relatively rare events. Uh, why would we think it's important to be prepared in Canadian livestock enterprises? Well, agriculture, we know, is this major contributor to the Canadian economy. And so because of that, you know, we're providing um, the financially livelihoods for hundreds of thousands of people and food security for millions across our country and billions towards the Canadian GDP. And so if we have, you know, a, a large scale emergency outbreak that happens in our livestock sectors, it's going to have huge impacts that we're going to feel the effects of, you know, across the across the nation. Um, and so we know in Canada that our livestock industries are at risk at experience these large scale animal health events. Um, you know, for example, we can just look at our poultry sector, which is experiencing that right now. Uh, but there are a couple of key factors that lead us to know that we're at this risk. For one thing, um, you know, we often think of agriculture as being rural in nature and potentially isolated, I guess. We have distances between, you know, our operations. But the reality is, is we've never been closer. Um, we have a lot of movement that happens of those people, the animals, the plant material, the equipment that's happening not only at a local um you know, a local level where we might be helping a neighbor out during a time of harvest or hardship. But uh, even regionally, we're, we're doing trade, we're making purchases and, and globally. So we have a lot of interactions that are happening. And every time we have one of these interactions, there is that potential that we could introduce a serious animal disease. 
And we also know that research has shown there's a number of key factors that are associated with a large animal disease outbreak occurring. And unfortunately, in Canada, we have most of these. So this is things like high-density areas where we have, um, you know, a large population of animals in a, in a smaller area. So we can think of things like Feedlot Alley in southern Alberta or um, the lower Fraser Valley has a concentration of dairy. Uh, you know, and whenever we have a, a grouping of animals like that, it's more conducive to the spread of viruses or diseases in those areas. We also know that there's, um, we're able to move animals a large distance in a short amount of time. So we have, you know, animals moving every day on the road across this country. And so we can quickly move something from one area to another. And then potentially, if we're introducing a disease, moving that disease with it. Uh, you know, we know that there's about 50 million animals on the road on every, any given day. We also use things in Canada like commingling sites, so things like auction marts or pre-sort sales, community pastures. And again, anytime you have a intermixing of herds, uh, if something has a disease in it, it has the potential to then spread the disease to other herds. And we also know that while biosecurity is used in Canada, there's inconsistencies. Uh, so there may be a low level applied on different farms. And because we don't have that consistent application, it opens the door for the potential for a disease to happen. So, you know, in the end, while the probability of a serious animal disease coming to Canada, um, you know, might be low, uh, because we have this movement of uh, animals and and people and equipment and because we have these large risk factors we actually consider the potential for the impact of a, a large animal disease outbreak happening and the impact of it uh, to be very high yeah i'm amazed at that statistic of those 50 million animals on the road on any day that's that's just an amazing statistic and I'd love to see it breaking broken down by species, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure we have that detail. But uh, that that is truly an amazing amazing number. What would the consequences? So it's probably a rare event, but if it did happen, what's the consequences of a major disease outbreak like foot and mouth disease in Canadian livestock herds look like? Uh, it would it would hurt. <laughs> it would be a major hurt to our livestock sectors for sure. Um, a, a company named Saracon, who's an agriculture business special co specialty company, uh, they actually produced a report back in 2002, and they indicated that the large scale outbreak of uh, foot and mouth disease would uh, cost Canada about $45.9 billion. Now, that was 20 years ago. Currently, the estimated value is about $65 billion. So that is a substantial uh, impact. Uh, we also know that there would be, you know, huge uh, numbers of animals that would be have to be depopulated. We just have to look back to the UK um, in uh, 2001, who went through an experience with foot and mouth disease and had to depopulate over 6 million animals. Um, Canadian agriculture is dependent on trade. And so if we have an outbreak like foot and mouth disease, we know that our borders would immediately close. And so that has significant economic consequences immediately. But then we also would have this um, flood of excess livestock on the market uh, that the domestic market just couldn't handle. Uh, so there would be significant decisions that would have to be made that could have uh, social um, impacts and consequences as well. 
So it's important to remember that uh, even if foot and mouth disease came, you don't have to be the operation that has the disease to feel the consequences and impacts of this uh, type of disease. Um, you know, the reality is, is that the majority of the impacts would be felt by farms who do not have the disease itself. So it's important really that as producers and so supply chains um, that we take the necessary steps not only to prevent these serious animal diseases from coming into Canada, but that we plan and prepare so that in case it does occur, we can quickly respond and try to limit um, uh, the impact and the spread of a disease. So Shauna, let's imagine a scenario where a cow-calf producer perhaps bought some replacement heifers recently from a local auction and he or she starts noticing some unusual clinical signs in those heifers. So what's the decision process? When do they call for help uh, if they're worried about something that might be an exotic disease? Yeah, uh, so AHIM actually provides resources that can help producers and livestock owners to better understand and prepare for an emergency event. So in a case like this, a producer could use their, um, we have both a handbook and a workbook that are geared towards producers that help provide, you know, guidance and information uh, and develop emergency management plans. And so within that uh, workbook and handbook, we have an unusual animal health event indicator protocol. And so what that does, it helps them to understand what they should be looking for and when they should call the veterinarian. And within the handbook, we actually have this chart of signs and symptoms, which they can help use to guide uh, their decisions. So if these symptoms are here, then you should contact your veterinarian. We also have a fact sheet that's uh, on detecting foot and mouth disease. And so what it does is it actually provides a visual of what to look for with these signs and symptoms uh, so that, you know, they can quickly look at it and have a have that visual reference, but also know uh, as well the quick, the quick steps that they should take uh, if those signs and symptoms are present. So if um, things like uh, drooling is there along with uh, some depression or something like that, then they would know that's probably a sign to call their veterinarian. Yeah, they're, they're a great resource and, and it's so important to recognize those diseases early if they do occur. Uh, we hope, hopefully they never do, but uh, we certainly want to take action as early as possible because they're so contagious and they spread so quickly. Um, so as I said, hopefully we never see FMD in Canada. Uh, it's been a long time since it's been here back in the 50s in Saskatchewan, but it is really important to detect it early before it spreads, partly because it's so contagious. So what are some of those clinical signs that, that are described there? You mentioned salivation and depression. What else might we see? Yeah, so the key signs and symptoms to look for when it comes to foot and mouth disease would be um, excessive salivation, so excessive drooling. Uh, also looking uh, within the animals if they have these vesicles or blisters, which will progress to erosion. Uh, and those would be around the mouth, the tongue, the dental pad, the gums, uh, muzzle, nostrils, and teat areas. Uh, another sign would be painful lameness uh, and the reluctancy to move. You know, if you have these things happening in, in your feet, you don't want to move. Uh, so um, around the feet, there might be blanching of the coronary band. Uh, again, there could also be these vesicles uh, in those interdigital spaces. And then as well, uh, having depression, fever, not eating, uh, 
you know, decreased performance overall. So if milk production debt is down or they're backing off their feed. So if these signs and symptoms are, are all present, or actually we say in the fact sheet that if, you know, if you have drooling or these vesicles or this lameness and the depression, the backing off feed, um, then you need to call your veterinarian if these signs and symptoms are showing in several cattle in your pens uh, or multiple pens of animals. Because, you know, like you said, the early detection of this thing is really important in order to prevent the spread and help to limit an outbreak um, and, and avoid those devastating consequences for the sector as a whole. So as a veterinarian, if I saw an animal that I suspected had uh, FMD-like symptoms, I, I'm required to report it just as the producer is as well. And uh, we contact the CFIA to come and have a look at these animals. What would happen at that point? Yeah, that's right. Uh, FMD is considered a reportable disease. So as a veterinarian, you would know to, to contact CFIA. And at that point, they would come out and begin their own investigation. So they would also do an examination of the animals and begin taking samples uh, that they would send away for confirmation uh, of the disease. So what they would also do is if based on what they're seeing, they suspect that there's FMD while they're waiting for those samples to be sent off for testing and, and get that confirmation back, they could declare the premises uh, an infected premises under the Animal Health Act. And so um, what that does is it gives the CFIA the authority to enforce uh, restrictions and request specific information from the farm. So what that means is that there would be a quarantine on that premises, which restricts the movements on and off the farm. There's no more movements allowed on and off the farm. They would also be looking for things like uh, visitor logs so that we can track down, you know, who has been on and off that operation. Uh, they'd be looking for maps of the premises. Um, again, beginning that tracing of animals. So that means knowing where all livestock and equipment from that farm and visitors have been over the last 30 days. Uh, they'd be looking for herd inventories, records of sales, and they may also look at establishing a, a control zone around the premises, which could be three to 10 kilometers around that. Um, and they may also look too to see if there's any linked premises. So this could be in you know, neighboring farms within, you know, a five kilometer radius, uh, or other locations that could be considered potentially infected. Uh, and so those premises may be considered infected premises as well. So at a time like this, traceability becomes very important. And traceability is our ability to track those groups of animals, uh, both forward and back in their lifetime. And it becomes a very critical component in containing a disease, because the quicker we can identify where it came from and potentially how far it's spread, um, you know, the quicker we're able to respond and then limit the impact to the economy, the environment and the social aspects. Right. And, and that's, that's a advertisement for premises ID, which is, which is most provinces have some requirement for livestock producers to, uh, to register their premises under the PID uh, system. Exactly. Yeah, the premise identification system is great for, you know, it provides a geological link between animals and, and where they are, they're, you know, where they're kept. And so, um, 
you know, we can use that system to share information with, uh, with producers. So, you know, for instance, in Prince Edward Island with the current avian influenza outbreak, uh, we use that premises identification to communicate to those within the system, um, you know, how to step up your biosecurity and what is currently taking place to just make sure that there's awareness out there and that uh, those producers can take steps to look after the health of their animals. So let's continue our hypothetical situation. And I want to emphasize that it's not real. We don't have FMD in Canada right now. Uh, But if FMD was confirmed on the farm, what would happen at that point? Like how could a cow-calf producer be better prepared for that kind of devastating scenario? So if FMD were confirmed by CFIA, I mean, this is going to take a couple of days. There's a couple of things that are happening here. So when those samples that CFIA takes to do their confirmation of a disease are taken and sent, it's going to take a couple of days for that to happen. And so in that time, we're kind of in this gray period um, where CFIA really only has authority over that premises. So one of the things that may happen during that gray period is they may contact the provincial uh, veterinarian and let them know that we're currently investigating a a suspected case of a serious animal disease. Now, it's important to know that they can't share any personal information that would identify that operation, but they might just give them a heads up that something's on the go. And the CVO at that point, the provincial chief veterinary officer, might then reach out to the livestock associations and ask them to do a couple of things as well. Now, In Saskatchewan, um, the provincial veterinarian actually has the authority uh, to um, have an order created to prohibit the movement of animals, but that can take some time. So really, in that interim, while this is happening, industry has the opportunity to decide that, you know, we're hearing that there's a potential case of a serious animal disease happening right now. Uh, I think it's good that we all stop movement. Uh, until we get a better idea of what's happening. And so by having a voluntary non-essential movement ban, what that does is, you know, you stop the movement, you stop the spread of the disease. So if there is a disease that's circulating, you know, we can work on cutting it off in its tracks. Um, And so that's something that industry can do. Uh, Now, if it comes back that CFIA does confirm that there is a serious animal disease like foot and mouth disease taking place, they're going to be focused on those infected premises. And so at that point, what they're going to be doing, there's going to be a suspension of exports. Our borders are going to be closed. Uh, They're going to be uh, issuing destruction orders, continuing with the tracing investigation, and they're going to be working on developing zones um, to try and work towards opening trade up. So CFIA, again, is they're going to be focused on that infected premises and they're going to be providing guidance to those operators on the depopulation, the disposal, the cleaning and disinfection that has to happen on those farms. Um, The reality is is that 99% of the farms, again, they're not going to have that disease, but they are going to feel the impacts of those borders closing, right? And so, um, again, it's not the emergency we're managing, we're managing those consequences. So as an operator, um, the things that we can do to, you know, better prepare ourselves for these types of situations is to be practicing good traceability, to be practicing good biosecurity, and to be uh, having an emergency response plan on our operations that we're ready to enact if needed. Uh, And so with that emergency plan, it's also important that 
we train our staff and those that are on operations so that they know how to respond in event uh, and that we keep that up to date. So we recommend, you know, every time you update your insurance policy that you're updating this emergency plan as well, um, just to make sure that you're, again, better positioned to be able to respond in a situation. Um, there's there's a, a a number of things that you can do within all of those aspects, but that's a that's a really good place to start. That's that's great advice, and I think it's so important to have you know staff members and family members sort of aware of 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 those plans as well. That we sometimes forget that there's multiple people involved in lots of these operations, so so that becomes really important. Yes. These types of situations are really difficult for the producers that are impacted. Where can they go for help? Uh, well, there's there's a couple of things to consider here. I mean, in a situation when you're looking for that technical help, you know, you're going to want to turn to things like your veterinarian and your livestock association because they're going to have that information and support that you'll need to help guide you through the situation, right? Um, your veterinarian can guide you on biosecurity and animal health. Your association is going to be um, working uh, at the provincial level to, you know, provide direction as to the steps that you need to take um, to protect your, your herd and, and your operation and what you need to do. But it's important also to remember that mentally these emergencies take a very emotional toll. And so it's important to monitor your health during these situations as well as those around you. Uh, and so, you know, knowing how to um, have a, what, what are your coping uh mechanisms that you're going to have in these type of situations, you know, it's important to, to be aware of that, be aware of the resources that are available. So uh, within the AHAM uh, resources within our workbooks uh, and, and on our website as well, we promote uh, mental health resources. And we also partner with an organization called Do More Agriculture Foundation, and they really are the champions of mental health and well-being for Canadian agriculture producers. Uh, and so we encourage people to check out their resources and again taking that preparedness and and knowing how to respond from a mental health aspect and we're actually offering a mental health webinar in uh, in january 17th and march 21st of next year in partnership with them and uh, we would encourage anyone who's listening to come to our website at animalhealth.ca and register for that webinar and partake in it and and learn more about building your resiliency so if producers are interested in accessing some of these resources to help them plan for these serious animal health emergencies, uh, where can they go? Where can they find this stuff, Shauna? So all of our resources are available uh, on our website at animalhealth.ca. And these are all, we call them, they're, they're evergreen, right? So we continuously update them as we have new information. And so all the latest versions are available there. And they're PDF fillable templates, uh, so people can use them to develop their own emergency plans. Uh, they're available download and uh, share. So we encourage anyone listening to, to check them out, download them, share them wildly. Um, you can also contact your association. We've worked with the uh, Saskatchewan Cattle Association uh, and provided them with a number of uh, hard copy resources that I'm sure they could make available to those who are interested. Um, we do have, as part of our resources, we have producer handbooks. We have these workbooks, which again are the the templates and protocols that can be used to customize and develop your own emergency plan for your farm. 
Uh, we have the fact sheets all available there as well, some information on biosecurity, as well as uh, we have the linkages for our workshops and uh, training opportunities that we help to facilitate and coordinate. Uh, are some of those opportunities uh, online webinars that the producers can access? Yes, definitely. We have uh, we have a number of webinars last winter that we offered online, and uh, and we continue to offer those as well. Uh, and so we encourage you to check them out regularly. The other thing we have available is you can sign up to be on our contact list. Uh, so as those webinars or training opportunities become available, um, you can be notified of them and, and go and register. And, and we do our uh, promotion as well on Twitter. So we are, uh, you can find us on Twitter as well. Yeah, we, uh, AHEM, we also like to work in person. So we're happy to work with associations and producer groups to come and present in person and do workshop scenarios and, uh, and, you know, meet you where you're at. We often say, if you provide the people, we'll provide the rest. Yes, we just had Shauna here in Saskatchewan for a a big geographic tour of the province. She went to many of the SCA regional meetings, so uh, it was good to have you out here, and uh, I got to take in one of those as well. Uh, any final thoughts and take-home messages, uh, Shauna, for the listeners of our podcast? Uh, definitely some take-home messages that I would love to share with your listeners is that it's important to remember that these outbreaks of serious animal diseases can happen. They do happen and they can impact you, your neighbors and your industry. And you don't even have to be the one who has the disease happening to feel the impacts of this. So it's important that, you know, we work as operations and industries to anticipate and plan and prepare for these different types of scenarios so that when they occur, um, we're better positioned to be able to respond and respond quick to, quickly and efficiently. You know, there are actions that we can take that will minimize the impact and limit the spread of the disease. And key to that is practicing good traceability, biosecurity, and having an on-farm emergency response plan. Well, thanks, Shauna. Uh, there's a lot of great resources on that website. I've been looking at them over the last few days and, and, uh, they're really, uh, really good resources, and I hope uh, some of our listeners will take advantage of them. Thanks again for doing the podcast. Uh, really appreciate you taking time to do this. Thank you so much for having us, John. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and we'd be happy to hear from your listeners as well. That's our show for this week. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks again to my guest, Shauna Mellish. Thank you as well to our sponsors, the Alberta Beef Producers and the Beef Cattle Research Council. Please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions or comments or would like to suggest topics that you'd like to see covered in future episodes, please email us at bchnpodcast at gmail.com. That's bchnpodcast at gmail.com. Take care till next time.